This episode of 1801 Live was originally recorded during a 12-hour podcast-a-thon streamed live on August 28th from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. The Give Black Podcast-a-thon benefited U of SC's One Creed, One Carolina campaign, which supports initiatives that elevate and encourage black students, faculty, and staff. Together, our five hosts and over 20 guests helped raise more than $10,000 for the campaign over 12 hours. Find more information on the podcast-a-thon and the link to donate at www.garnetmedia.org slash giveblack. Mo Brown is in the waiting room, and so I will let him in as our next guest. You ready? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Keep it going. How are you? Doing great. How y'all doing? Good, good. good. Uh, thank awesome. you so much for coming on and chatting with us today. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thank you for having me, Hannah. I really, uh, it was good seeing you last week, and I'm um, really excited about having the conversation today. And uh, you know, really, really, really great leadership shown by y'all to have this and go the telethon and uh, streamathon um, for for 24 hours. That's fantastic, and I'm glad I can contribute in very small way myself. So thanks for having. <laughs> me. Of course, but before we get started, um, we would love if you would just introduce yourself to the viewers and the audience, and then we'll talk a little bit about your story. All right, that's fantastic. So I'm Mo Brown. Um, I am the current Democratic nominee for Congress here in South Carolina's 5th District, um, competing for the opportunity to represent this district as uh, the U.S. Congressman on November 3rd. Hopefully we will be successful in that, in that, in that bout. Um, um, also, I am a graduate of USC. Uh, I graduated back in 2010, which is whew, it's a little, little long time ago at this point, but uh, I, I majored in uh, finance and marketing uh, from the business school at the Moore School. And then in addition to that, also played a little football at uh, South Carolina for four years under Steve Spurrier, um, was team captain my senior year. And I wasn't an all-star, but I was a little bit above average and, and uh, had a really good time. And so that's a little bit about me. Okay. So just in that introduction, we have a lot to unpack. So <laughs> I know the automatic go-to is you being a football player. Um, football, as you know, is very prominent in our community, but also Aiden and I being both in the Darlin' Moore School business, I'm very interested in your experience at Darlin. So if you can talk a little bit more about that, how you chose your majors of finance and marketing, that's amazing. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, actually, when I came into USC, I was uh, actually granted uh, the opportunity to be in the business school, but um, my academic advisor at the time, there was also my student athlete advisor, uh, who actually left about two weeks after me getting to campus. Uh, he looked at my uh, itinerary and it had all these business classes, da 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 da, and he made the determination that that was too difficult of a workload for me and um, made me undecided. And so I ended up having like music appreciation, dance appreciation, things of these nature. And interestingly enough, that was not an easy class. And music appreciation was one of my, one of my more difficult classes at, at USC. Um, so I, I went about a year uh, just undeclared as a major. And then my sophomore year, uh, 
I said, I want to get back into business school. And my thought process was uh, in, in, in high school, I really liked econ. I, I liked my econ class for whatever reason. And I was like, well, I can go be a, a, a econ major. And so I got back into the business school, um, had my first econ class. And I was just like, okay, I liked it, but I wasn't blown away by it. Um, then I started thinking about accounting and I, and I had my first accounting class. And I was just like, oh, this is too much um, detail oriented. You go through 15 different steps and get to the last one. And you're off by four or five cents. You got to go find them, find these four or five cents. I was like, yeah, I don't know if this one's for me either. Um, and then uh, as I just started thinking about my position on the football field and wanted to make it to the NFL, um, I was like, well, what's two things that you're going to need to know? Your finances, how to manage those, and then two, how to market yourself. And so um, my decision to choose finance and marketing uh, fit into that realm. And I also knew that it will help me as I move forward in my business career uh, if football didn't work out. And so that's how I selected those two uh, majors. And it was the best decision that I possibly could ask uh, of myself. And, uh, you know, going through the more school was definitely challenging. Um, but the professors all had uh, real world experience. The class were innovative. Uh, it was uh, it was collaborative. I, I remember many a days of study hall with uh, my classmates uh, uh, going to Thomas Cooper Library and just sitting in the side and having a good time and, you know, three, four hours after practice getting what we need to get done. So I, I extremely enjoyed my time at the Dollar Moore School of Business. Stay, stay, stay connected to the Dollar Moore School of Business. Matter of fact, I served on the Young Alumni Board uh, for six years and, and rolled off I think last year, year before that, where I, where, where I rode off of that and, you know, still got a great relationship with Dean Bruce. Um, and it's just a fantastic school and extremely competitive, but uh, it should be. It's, 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 it's great. It's a great school. Yeah, I just want to, um, you know, echo your testimony about accounting class because I, <laughs> I, had, I had my 225 and, and 226 <laughs> semesters. And, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yes, 30 different steps. And if you mess up step, 25. <laughs> right. Got to go back to step five to figure it out. So I, I totally understand that. I, I, I appreciate that, you know, you shared that experience. So I do yeah. want to jump over to um, sports a little bit. Okay. Um, and I want you to talk a little bit, I guess, about your time on the football team, um, but more so, I guess, about what you gained from sports as a whole, because I think it's easy to see, um, you know, the, the athletes we see have been in sports their whole life and they end up doing sports professionally. I have had um, the privilege of running into different, you know, professional executives or, or teachers or, you know, other academic leaders who have this sports background that, you know, kind of comes up in conversations like, oh, you played D1 sports. Oh, you were on this championship team, mm -hmm. but they end up in different fields. So I guess what, um, have you learned, I guess, from your time playing football and playing sports and, and being a Gamecock football player? And how's that prepared you for, you know, life beyond the game? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And, you know, football is a lot like life. Uh, it, it, it presents you with so many different challenges and and, and, I'll, and I'll break it down this way. One is the discipline, um, you know, to wake up five o'clock in the morning, go to, go to workouts that is grueling. Um, Black iron just taking us to these 
gut-wrenching workouts and you're ready to question yourself every time you finish one, like, why did I choose to do this and why I keep putting myself through this torture? Um, but somehow you you find a way to, to continue on so that just the discipline of it all, um, go through a workout, finish workout in the morning, go to, go to class, you're in class from 8 o'clock to, you know, 2, 2.30, go go finish all those classes and you go back to um, the football uh, stadium where you do film session for two hours and you go on the field and you practice for another two and a half hours. Then you finish that up, get something to eat. Then you have study hall or in my case, I, I got kicked out of study hall um, my sophomore year for all the good reasons. Cause I was getting my work done and I didn't need a tutor. So, uh, but even still, you know, you got to put that time in to do your studies and then there's 10 o'clock comes around once you get all that done and you may have a little bit of time for some sort social life and, you know, got a girlfriend or something that and you know, spend some time with her. But, you know, it, it was just discipline, 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 discipline to be able to focus your time and your efforts to, to get through that. And then the other side is just um, dealing with adversity. You know, one thing about being on the field and having to perform at such a high level with so much high stakes um, associated with it, you know, people, jobs, people, feelings and emotions that associated with the, the, the Carolina across your chest and your performance uh, is consistently in your face. Um, I, I said in my statement last week is that to be an athlete is be consistently self-aware and correcting because you had to, you know, whether that was the coach, whether that was your teammate, whether that's yourself, whether that's the film session and what we always say, the eye in the sky don't lie. And so you cannot, you could not, you could not say that you did something that you didn't do because we're going to be able to see on film if you did exactly that. And so it just made you be very, very matter of fact, um, be very uh, self-assessing always. And then um, to, pu to push through and continue to be better and better and better and better because you fail often often and so those those skill sets that you learn on the, on the football field again dealing with adversity pressure um just discipline breaking through I, another saying I, I i like to put out there is uh, you know when the emotion fades the discipline kicks in and that's through out my whole life and so as i had opportunity to go to the south carolina department of commerce um you know i i said well how do you shift that mindset into a new world um and you know gain friends and um, continue to grow as a professional in this new arena that you don't know as well as you do the football field, but you know how you go about becoming a better, better athlete or slash professional. And that's what exactly what I did. And um, that's why I'm sitting here today in the position that I am. That's amazing. And I know that talk to many of your sentiments as far as your success and all that you have done, it shows that you clearly are ambitious and have a strong work ethic, but also coming from experience, and I know both Aiden and I can attest to this, as leaders with a hard work ethic and strong ambition, sometimes it, it is a lot and it gets tiring. So how did you maintain balance physically, but also mental health wise? So how did you maintain balance to where you are excelling in football as well as in your studies? but also making sure that you prioritize um, your health. Yeah, that, that's a really good question, an important question. Um, you know, mental health um, for anyone is extremely important. Uh, you know, health is wealth, and oftentimes mental health get 
thrown to the side as, oh, you're just being soft and things that you may hear even on the sports side. But the reality of it is if you don't take care of your mind, then your body's going to fail uh, in the process. And so I've always been conscious of keeping a healthy balance. Even going through uh, my professional career, uh, I've been very – uh, aware of one where I was at and the opportunity that I had, I had or have, um, but also understanding, you know, where I am in age, you know, not trying to be older and more mature in certain areas than I had to be, you know, like little simple things where if I had opportunity to do a after hour function that was more casual, then I would go and dress down like I normally would if I was out at a casual event. Now, I always kept myself neat. I was never sloppy, but representing who I am in the state of my, of my life, as well as being able to show that I can still be professional and hold those same conversations, you know, little things like that, you know, kept me in a mental space that I didn't put too much pressure on myself, but at the same time, expected the best out of myself uh, always. Um, you know, one thing I did in, on a consistent basis uh, when I was working at the Department of Commerce, particularly early on in my career, what I was very self-aware of was that I was a young athlete coming into a very sophisticated business world and there's going to be certain perceptions that comes along with that um, that I was going to have to curb and so one of one of my one of my uh, remedies for that was to always ask questions but what I did prior to asking questions whatever that was I would go through the process of trying to figure out the answer myself and when I would present it to uh, my, my, my managers, I would say, hey, here is a, here's a question I have for you. Here's the situation. This is how I'm thinking about it, but I'm not quite sure. And I want to check with you um, to get your feedback and say, am I, am I doing this correctly? Do I need to change some stuff? And oftentimes, my thought process was pretty spot on. Um, but what that did was show my managers that I was very serious about being good at what I was doing. And also that I didn't Feel like I was too big for my britches and um, was trying to step over people who had way more experience uh, in the field that I was in. Uh, so just again, keeping a healthy balance of what you want to do, what you want to be, but also where you are and who you are and how do you make those things marry um, to, to continue to be healthy and also successful. That's great. And then I, I heard I wanted you to speak more on if it's true or not, but if you're father also was um in, involved in football or played football i don't know if it's the case oh, that well my my dad my, my dad was a a very interesting guy and um he was a really good athlete. My mom was a really good athlete too, but they both were teenagers when I was born. So um, my mom had, my mom was 16 years old when I was born and my dad was uh, 19. He was three years older. And so, and then I was their second child. Uh, my, my oldest brother, um, he, he was two years older than me. Uh, so as you can imagine, we kind of grew up with each other um, and um he had a scholarship to go to uh, Clemson, but uh, he got – my daddy was a hothead, and he got in a fight and, you know, losing his scholarship. So he never made it to college, um, but he was a – he was a he laid concrete, and that was his profession. But I actually, he actually passed uh, in a car accident when I was uh, 17 years old, and that was kind of a sad. So he, he's, been, he's been gone for a while, and uh, he was an extremely talented athlete, but he, did, he didn't make it to the next level. 
Wow. I did not even know that. Thank you for sharing your testimony. But to that point, you have had to overcome a lot. So even to get into college, I know many um, students can attest to stories of they've had to work hard, whether it's being first generation college student or even wherever their background has come from. So how was your experience um, in order to motivate yourself to get into college and then go so far on and beyond to do all that you've done? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I grew up in a little sleepy town, small town of Belton, South Carolina. Um, it's about 4,500 people there. And, and we, were, we were a tight-knit community. And I, first, my family were, were really hard on all of us. You know, accountability, discipline, integrity, uh, being of high character. Um, that example was set by my grandmother. Uh, she, she, she was the matriarch of our family in a lot of ways. And even her extended family, her bro- she, was a, she was the oldest daughter and second oldest of nine children. Um, and she was a, a minister. She was a pastor. Um, and she really guided our family to Christianity. And then her example throughout her whole life, I mean, I can't think of a better leader and just a better person than my grandma. Um, and, you know, she she helped raise me. I stayed a portion of time with her. My aunt and my uncle, who was also a big influence of my life, I lived with them from age four to eight. Again, my parents being very young and they were more st- stable than my mom at that period of time. They really... Uh, uh, instilled in me a lot of my characteristics from uh, just being a really good person. And then the community, um, the community around us, whether that was teachers, whether that was coaches, whether that's just friends or the family, you know, no one lets you got away with doing anything bad. And you was always called out if you were going down that, that wrong path. And fortunately, folks always saw something in myself uh, and they pushed me. And, you know, whether that was academics, um, whether that was athletics, um, you know, my mom, removed me from two teams in my youth because my academics had faltered. Um, Coaches came to my house sitting on the couch. Hey, we need Mo. You know, he's our best player, da-da-da-da-da. And she's like, nope. He know what he has to do. And if he's not doing it, then he's not going to be playing on these teams. And so all those things just, you know, came together in shaping me and my work ethic and my drive and not being – um, a, a statistic, so to say, and going beyond that. And, and I will say this too, the other big influence in my life was Coach Brown and Coach Cowens, who were, who were my um, track and field coach, who took us around the country to compete um, against my peers. And being able to do that and, you know, compete in Louis, LSU, Kentucky, go up to uh, Detroit, go out to Nebraska, go out to Maryland and run, and not only run, but win, um, it really opened up my horizon and instilled confidence in me that I can achieve anything that I want to, as long as I grind and put in the work and set my mind to do it. And so that, that mindset has stayed with me ever since, and I take that in everything I do. That's awesome. I mean, your, your story is so, it's, it's just one of so many layers and depth, and it's just such a special story. And I always appreciate hearing you talk about everything you've overcome and, and, and seeing the fruits of your labor and, and where you are now in life is just really, really exciting and inspiring. And I you know, always appreciate hearing your story. Um, I do want to ask this question, and, and it's okay if you kind of need to marinate on it for a little bit, but what's the single piece of advice that you feel like was that you've heard throughout your life 
that has kept you going and you feel like was uh, a pivotal point for you? Oh, well, I don't know if I can do single, but I'll give you a couple. Um, my seventh grade year, uh, seven, it was, I was either seven or eight, or eighth grade. I don't, I don't remember specifically. Uh, I was complaining about a workout. It was, it was pretty difficult. And Coach Ashley, uh, he called me over, and he, uh, my name's Maricus. And at that time, I wasn't really going by Mo exclusively. Uh, I got, I got Mo from my ten and under rec coach who was just got tired of saying Marie because he was like, I'm just going to call you Mo. And I was just like, all right, um, which he called me. He actually called me a couple of weeks ago, Coach Red, and we had a really good conversation. It was great catching up with him. But uh, Coach Ashley, uh, he, uh, he said, he said, Marie, come here. He said, look, son, let me tell you something. He's like, you're gifted. And too much is given, much is required, which is Luke 12, 48. And for whatever reason, and he walked off. He didn't say anything else after that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and and it, when, he, when he said that, it just really stuck with me. It, it hit me like a hit me like a ton of bricks like wow there is a lot of responsibility that comes with that and you know I didn't I don't think I grasped it all at that moment of time but for whatever reason you know when I was in doubt um when I wanted to give up or quit on things that always just popped in back in my mind this ain't about you Mo it's about you know taking the gifts that you have and have a responsibility you know to give it back to other folks because they're depending on what your expression and your gifts are to help them shape their gifts uh and expression as they move forward so that has really stuck with me the other one is uh my pastor um from my home church uh, mount zion back in belton uh kenneth dean was had he was i was probably about 16 years old uh and he was giving a sermon and he quoted someone but he he i don't remember who he quoted so i always attest this to him um he said one must seize seize an opportunity in a lifetime the opportunity presents itself. And he said it like three times. And he's like, you ain't gonna catch what I'm saying. So I'm gonna say it three times, which is a typical Southern pastor. Uh, and uh, so one must seize an opportunity in a lifetime, the opportunity presents itself. And it hit me like a ton of Brits when he said that. And, you know, it's just like every day is an opportunity. And you know, to get better, to continue to progress. Um, and if you don't, then that's an opportunity wasted. And so I tried to approach each day with that mindset, hey, here's an opportunity for me to learn, grow, um, be, the, be the change I want to see, impact people positively. Um, and if I don't, at the conclusion of it, when I look back on that day, I'm, I'm like, well, I missed an opportunity that I can't get, get back. And, and then you can take it to more specific examples. You know, whether that's job opportunities, uh, whether that's going to schools and what you decide that you're going to make, like keeping an open mind of what you have in front of you. And then it's going to be times where you're going to have to let opportunities go because they don't fit into the, the the vision that you have for yourself. And then there's going to be times where you take opportunities that's not necessarily the one that you thought you wanted, um, that you felt that matched up with what you, what you believe that you can, but once you take it and if you really just dive into it and be present and not trying to be uh, on the 10th level when you're still on level one, you got to pass level one before you get to 10, uh, then, then you're going to be able to grow and you can, you can marinate that into something that's going to help you as you progress.
Well, that's amazing advice. And just to let you know, because I don't meet or come across many people who know Belton, South Carolina, but that's where my mom's from. She's also hey, hey. alumna. So when you said Mountain Zion, I know Pastor Dean very, very well. So oh, that's great. awesome, awesome. You know, yeah. Well, I'm sure you know Sydney, then. Yes, love Cindy so much. But um, wrapping up, I know we only have a few minutes left, but of course, we're all here to hear about amazing stories like your own, but also to raise uh, money towards the One Creed, One Carolina campaign that uplifts programs that help Black students. And so I just wanted you to give your testament of how impactful you think campaigns like this are, especially during this time, and how um, necessary it is to uplift our marginalized communities, um, specifically black students. Well, I mean, again, you know, our, our challenges have been great in this country. Um, right now, we sit in the middle of a lot of social unrest. Um, Jacob Blake just got shot in the back seven times. And yet again, we're here saying, why do we have to convince you that our lives matter? Um, and it's a, it's a tired conversation. Um, and I think at this point in time, folks are really sitting down to listen without rebut. Now you do have people who are on that same, want to rebut, want to point fingers, this and all that. But for the most part, I think America's ears and conscience in the world for that matter is more open than it has have been at any given time. And the more and more we can do to have conversations like we're expressing right now to give our truth and say, um, I don't, I'm not trying to tell you that you got to empathize with me more than just hear my truth, believe my truth, and then don't try to make excuse for, for, for my truth that you want to see to make you feel comfortable about things not progressing in a way that's going to help people who look like me. Because um, in this country, you know, this pot could be as big as we want to be. There's a false narrative that there is a zero-sum game that everyone cannot have here, and that's not true. If you put in the work, then the results of your work should look, re reflect that. Uh, and so giving into uh, to, to, uh, um, initiatives like your, yours is so vital because the conversation is so important because it starts there and then that's followed by action. And this is action. Um, this is action. This is working towards uh, a goal to uh, mitigate the issues that come to the black community. And so supporting uh, individuals like yourself, y'all showing this leadership, um, money has to come with that too. So donating uh, to, to, to uh, these efforts is important. Uh, I'm going to make my donation when I get off here and, and continue to help you all as well. Um, and I, I implore anyone who's listening here um, to do exactly the same. And, and the more we support each other, the more we will continue to grow uh, and more opportunity we're going to be able to effectuate the change in the minority community. Um, and we're going to be able to look back and be proud of what we did today and every day to move forward in our lives. I love it. That was the perfect way to wrap up. Thank you so, so, so much, Mo, for talking with us and um, continuing to donate to the One Creed, One Carolina campaign. And if possible, if you could please uh, promote the podcast-a-thon on your social media networks, because although uh, money does help, as well as your outreach, your network will also speak Monday. So both of those would be greatly appreciated. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank y'all for having me on and I uh, enjoyed chatting with y'all and y'all keep up the work. I know y'all got a long way to go. So y'all got to get up, do some jumping jacks, push-ups and keep going. <laughs> work it out. Work it out. <laughs> we'll do it. Have a great right. day. Y'all have a good one. Thank you. Wow. They just keep, it, it just gets better every 
every guest. It's been every guest. I know it's crazy because it's already what? It's already two hours. Wow. Now that I we've been we've been going at it, haven't we? We have we have, and I just got a message. I believe we are now at one hundred and. Well, excuse me, $1,185. And then I can, I'm going to do a shout out to the donors because they deserve all the credit. So we have Christian Anderson, who uh, Dr. Anderson is going to be on later today. We have Kendrick, shout out Kendrick Lindsay, um, and then Dr. Littlefield and Elliot Cooper. So thank you. And Dr. Treadwell. And so thank you to everyone who has donated up to now and let's keep this going and whoever is listening please 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 donate whether it's a dollar five dollars or however much you can or even just spreading um what we're doing um to your network 